Zoom comes to smart displays. Bundling is the new old thing to do. Instagram copies yet another TikTok feature, plus your tech questions answered. What's going on? I'm Rich Demiro, and this is Rich on Tech, the podcast where I talk about the tech stuff I think you should know about. It's also the place where I answer the questions that you send me. And I've said this before, but during this pandemic, you are sending me a lot of questions. You know, I get it. You're home. You got tech issues. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And I'm here. I'm here for you. You see me on TV and you say, hey, let me send that guy a question. Sure, I'll take it. My name is Rich Demiro, tech reporter at KTLA Channel 5 in Los Angeles, coming to you from home as usual. I have now been working from home for a grand total of five months. I can't believe it. Can you believe it? I can't. Now, at this point, I've got myself working from home. I've got my wife working from home. I've got my five-year-old doing kindergarten from home. And I've got my nine-year-old doing uh, his school from home. So it looks like we run a small office here in the Demiro house with everyone on computers, everyone on headphones, everyone trying to coordinate their schedules. And it's unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life. And I'm sure you are going through something very similar, uh, no matter what you're doing, whether you have kids, whether you don't have kids, whether you're working, whether you're not working, it's an odd time. In fact, I was in Santa Barbara again. I know I was in Santa Barbara last time I talked to you when I did last week's podcast, but I went once again and I've realized that Santa Barbara is not very far from Los Angeles. And so now I'm expanding my reach of doing stories up there because there's some tech companies up there. So I've been going up there. So I was up there yesterday and at the end of my interview, I decided to get a haircut because it's much cooler in Santa Barbara than it is in Los Angeles and they were doing the haircuts outside. And it's really tough to get a haircut in California right now because everyone has to be outside. And so I went to this barber shop. They said, okay, we could take you, you know, at this time. And I came back and I got my haircut and I'm sitting there outside getting my haircut just thinking, this is a time that people will talk about for the rest of their lives. When I'm an old grandpa talking to my grandkids, sitting hopefully outside in a beautiful uh, lake or beach somewhere and my grandkids are hanging out and hanging on me and I will be like, you know, I got a haircut on the street once because you couldn't go inside and get a haircut and there's hair everywhere and there's just people. I mean, it was a whole, is a whole scene. It reminded me of something that someone would come by and snap a black and white picture of in like the twenties and we would look at it and, and think how silly it looks. But there I was in color, uh, sitting there on the street in 2020, getting a haircut. So it was just a really interesting experience. And this whole thing has really made me very introspective on life and what we're all doing here and what we're doing for our jobs and our families. And just, oh, it's, it's just quite, quite, quite interesting when you really break it down. Well, let's start with the first story, which directly relates to this whole pandemic. And it is Zoom Zoom is coming to smart home displays. Zoom is coming to Amazon Echo Show, Portal from Facebook, and Google Nest Hub Max. This is brilliant. This is something that I am so glad is happening. Not that everyone has these in their homes, but a lot of people do, especially probably the Amazon Echo Show. Uh, Portal from Facebook, not so much. Google Nest Hub Max, 
probably to a lesser extent, but the good news is you will be able to do Zoom on these smart displays, which is fantastic because it frees up your computer screen so you can do other things on there while you Zoom. Now, it's not gonna be ready just yet. Zoom on Portal is coming the soonest in September, but that's probably the least useful because people don't really have portals as far as I know. Zoom on Echo Show and Nest are gonna be available by the end of the year. And this is gonna be all integrated with you know Alexa and also with Google Assistant. So you can just say, hey, uh, H Google, join my next meeting and it will join. And it's great. And I love that these companies are actually opening up these devices to third-party software where it's not just Google Meet on the Nest Hub Max. And it's not just, well, Alexa had Zoom or Amazon Echo had Zoom to begin with. Portal from Facebook had Messenger, but I'm not sure they had anything else. So good, good job. And I think that this will actually uh, hasten the adoption of some of these smart home displays. The one I'm most excited for is actually the Facebook Portal TV because I can't believe that there's no way to zoom on TV right now. And that would be the ultimate. So you can just sit there, probably not for work so much, but for personal, just sitting down on a Friday night, having sort of a little happy hour with family or friends, the TV is the place to do it. And hopefully we'll see that as well. All right, let's get to our first question. And this question comes from Sharon. She says, I want to get the ring doorbell for my house. Is it secure? I saw the video cameras on TV that people can hack. There is a ring doorbell and second generation and a third. I don't know which one is the best for me. My doorbell is now wired. And if you want to submit a question, by the way, just uh, email me hello at richontech.tv and we'll get your question into the show. So what's the difference between the Ring Video Doorbell 2 and Ring Video Doorbell 3? I had to actually look this up on the website because I was not aware that they had a third Ring Doorbell. I have the two. I did have the one. The two gave me slightly better video. And the three is $179.99. Oh, wow, there's a Video Doorbell 3 Plus? I mean, how many different doorbells do you need? What's the plus do now? The plus is $200, our premium battery power doorbell with advanced security features, including improved motion detection. With an additional four second preview of each motion event, you'll automatically start recording before you even receive an alert. So what does that mean? That it's, that's interesting that it's like recording 24-7. Anyway, uh, so do you need the two or the three? I would say I personally would go with the three, not because the two is bad, but the two's been out for a while. And if you're installing one of these things, it's the kind of thing you keep for a while. You're not sitting there, people are not sitting there upgrading their video doorbells every year like their smartphone or every even every two years or even every three years. This is the kind of device that you put outside your front door and you leave it there until it stops working completely. So for that reason, I would go for the the third generation of this doorbell because even though the second one's gonna be cheaper at $100, I would probably pay the extra $100 so that you can have the latest and greatest that that ring has been working on. Because why get something that's you know, two years old? I don't know when the, the second generation came out, but why get something that's that old when you can have what's new and keep it for longer, hopefully. So I think the three, what it adds is uh, better Wi-Fi, 
So the, the two only has 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi connectivity. Five gigahertz is going to give you a more consistent and higher quality Wi-Fi signal. So I, that's one reason for the three. And let's see what else does the three do. Uh, let's see. The three also gives you, let's see here, advanced motion settings. So rechargeable, quick release. Oh, okay. So there's a, the battery also comes out faster on the three. Yeah, I'd go with the three just because, you know, that way you have the newest one. You're going to leave this thing on your door till it fails. So that's what I would do, Sharon. And when it comes to security, I think, you know, a little bit of the security stuff was overblown in the media because it's easy. You know, it's scary. Oh, someone could tap into your doorbell. I think that Ring has done a pretty good job of securing these things in various ways, including they now require two-factor authentication, which means when you sign up for a Ring account, you have to put in some sort of secondary verification, which is usually a text message, or I'm not sure if they support two-factor authentication apps, but no matter what, it's going to be secure. The problem is a lot of people are using their same tired old password when they would set up one of these devices, whether it was a ring or any sort of video doorbell and people hack into them because they figure out that your password is password one, two, three. Don't put password one, two, three on something that's securing your home. That's just not smart. Don't do it. Let's talk about the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. Last week, I said that I was loving this phone. This week, I have my actual review since the embargo on the review is up and I can finally talk about it for real. Let's just put it this way. The Galaxy Note 20 is the best Android phone out there. There's no doubt about it. It's the ultimate Android. There's You can't get better. Uh, in fact, my only issue, I have two issues with this phone. One is not even related to the phone. It's really just an Android thing. And the other is just that it's so honking big that it's not comfortable to manipulate in a way that I like to use my phone a lot. And I have to think about it when I'm using the Note 20 Ultra because it's just so big. And I'm not going with the Note 20 because it's got the plastic back. It's got the uh, lesser camera and it's got uh, no micro SD card slot, which I don't really care about, but I want the best of the best, and that's why I want the Ultra, but let me tell you about it. So I've been using it for a couple of weeks. Uh, I dropped it once very hard. I did have a case on it. it. It got a little scratched up on the screen. It's got a 12 megapixel ultra wide camera, 108 megapixel ultra, uh, wide angle camera, and a 12 megapixel telephoto camera. The camera is so flexible and so awesome that you will just have I just couldn't stop taking pictures with it. It was that great. Now, a lot of the problems with the autofocus have been fixed. I still find that it's a little tiny um, blurrier for closer up pictures than the iPhone and phones that don't have this camera setup. So the iPhone, the Pixel, even the OnePlus shares the same problem that the S20 Ultra does. It's just a little bit blurry when you take these kind of pictures at close range. I'm not sure why. It's it's You have to take a bunch of pictures and compare a lot of cameras like I do to really notice it, but it's there. The S Pen is super improved. It's got reduced latency, which eh, nobody's, I don't notice that. Samsung app, uh, Notes app is great. You can write on PDFs. They've got this cool audio recording feature that lets you sync what is being said to what you're writing. So you can just tap the word you said and you'll hear whatever that person said at that point. So if you're writing down a phone number, for instance, in a or in a, you know, you're in class and you're writing down notes, you can tap to that portion of that, uh, whatever you wrote down there, and you can hear what the professor said if you missed a name or something. It auto straightens your handwriting, it syncs to the cloud. Uh, back to the camera, 
excellent point and shoot photos that look like a million bucks. I mean, the pictures I was taking on this thing, they're just gorgeous. I mean, they really are. Low light was a little bit of a challenge, but I find that it still does pretty good. It's just not necessarily going to get it on the first time every time in low light, especially on the selfies. Uh, but most cameras can't, let's be honest. It's, it's a problem. Low light is a problem. Video quality is awesome. Does a really good job with that. Um, battery life, no problems there at all. 5G, kind of a non-starter right now. I have not tested AT&T 5G in this phone, which I need to do. But uh, T-Mobile, I love the idea of 5G and this new network that T-Mobile is building. I just did not see performance that was worth subscribing to T-Mobile 5G for or switching to a 5G or anything that really impressed me, to be honest. In fact, uh, it was actually quite painful, the 5G network in Santa Barbara, in Los Angeles, where I live. Clearly, they just don't have it yet. So it's, or maybe they do. It's just not in my house. I don't know. It's just 5G is not that big of a deal right now. It will get better. So here's my biggest problem. Social media. I am on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. And I'll be honest, it's painful to use social media on the Note 20 on Android. And this is every Android phone compared to the iPhone. The iPhone social media is so beautiful. It just works perfectly. I don't know what the problem is with social media on Android. In fact, I did a, a Instagram live at a place called Blaze Pizza. I was shooting a story there and it was so terrible looking when I looked at the video after I had gone live that I had to delete it because it was so bad. It looked horrendous. Now, I'm wondering if it has to do with T-Mobile and the tester sim that I have, T-Mobile defaults to 480p video for most um, things. And I'm wondering if it has to do with that. So if it's, if it's just not sending through full quality video when I upload because it's somehow limiting it. Now, I thought that was maybe on just streaming, like if you're watching YouTube and stuff, but I don't know, maybe it's on the uploads as well. So I'm gonna test it out. I'm gonna put in my Verizon SIM and see if it helps, but I'm not sure. And if it does, great, then all this is moot point, but I'm not sure because it seems like every Android phone I test, social media just does not look as good. And um, let's see, what else? So would I recommend it? Note 20 Ultra is not for everyone because it's so big. Like, would I give my wife this phone? I'm not sure. I think she would say, Rich, you're crazy. This thing is so enormous that you can't use this day to day. I drop it. It's too big. It's like, it's not pocketable. So I think this really appeals to a certain type of person who sort of wants that really powerful device that does everything, but is um, maybe going to replace their, you know, maybe t at times their laptop and also a tablet. It's a great device, but I I'll just leave it at that. It's a great device. If it appeals to you, I find really no flaws with it. And the only thing is it's big. When you put a case on it, it's even bigger. Starts at a thousand bucks for the Note 20, 1300 bucks for the Note 20 Ultra, but you get it all and it really is the best Android phone. Before I move on to the next question, let me just say one thing. The Galaxy S20 lineup is getting a lot of the features of the Note lineup, which is really cool. They're coming out with One, Eye, or one UI 2.5. And with Samsung, and this really annoys me with them, I don't know why they do this, but they announce, and they've gotten a lot better with it, but they announce these software updates and then it takes forever for it to reach your phone. Whereas with iPhone, they're like, oh, iOS 14 is available today. You go into your settings and boom, it's there. Samsung, not the same. You could wait. They announced this today as I record this 
on August 21st, and you could be waiting till September 15th and you might not see it on your phone. Now, hopefully that's not the case with this, uh, but anyway, they are adding the 21.9 aspect ratio in 8K. They're adding the ability to control your smartphone's mic direction and also use Bluetooth mics with the S20 lineup. The whole notes thing I just told you about with the writing on PDFs, the audio bookmarks, the wireless decks, and some Wi-Fi things where you can share Wi-Fi. If you have an iPhone friend, you know, I, you can share like if, if you're trying to log on to a Wi-Fi network and you have an iPhone and a friend is nearby that has that password on their phone that they've already logged into that Wi-Fi, it'll be like, hey, do you want to share with uh, Rich? He's nearby. And you just tap and boom. So that's, that's now on the Samsungs. And then apparently a reminder app, you can preset time and location for upcoming meet. I didn't even know there was a reminders app on the Samsung, but there you have it. I think Samsung's doing a really nice job. Let's put it this way. And I, the state of affairs when it comes to Android, there's a lot of like Android devices out there. I think Samsung is killing it right now at this point in time. I think OnePlus is killing it. They're so close with their camera. The Pixel, I am severely disappointed in, except they seem to be really taking the low end of the spectrum with their Pixel 4a. And uh, I haven't tested it yet. I have not gotten one yet. So, but I'm sure it takes amazing pictures. And for $350, that is the Android phone to get if you want a cheap Android phone that's just gonna uh, take amazing photos. Let's see, next question comes from Martha. Martha says, hey Rich, I hope you're well. I've attached a screenshot of the MacBook my son just purchased. He didn't really check into specs, so I'm wondering how can we make the storage last? Because of course we can add more, but uh, with, uh, let's see, it's not as easy on laptops as it is with desktops. No matter how big the storage is, things are eventually gonna get filled. Can you share a review or personal tips on this MacBook? Was this a smart purchase? He's using it for college. Classes are just getting started. On a side note, I did tell my son to email you this question before he purchased it, but of course, he didn't listen, LOL. <laughs> we love your reviews, or we watch your reviews on KTLA all the time. Two thumbs up. Martha, I'm looking at this screenshot. Let's see, you got a 13-inch MacBook Air Space Gray Retina screen, Core i3, eight gigs of memory, 256 SSD, Intel graphics, backlit Magic Keyboard, Touch ID, trackpad, yeah, a thousand bucks. I think this is gonna be just fine. For college, as long as he's not doing, you know, even if he is doing video editing, it'll be fine. The storage, I mean, on my laptop, I only have, I've told this story before, but when I bought my new MacBook Pro, the 16 inch model that came out with the new keyboard, I wanted it so badly. I am an impatient, impatient person, not an inpatient, like I'm not doing surgery on myself, but I am an impatient person. And I, of course, you know, when you did the, when the computer first came out, if you wanted a one terabyte drive, you had to wait because you would have to get it shipped from Apple. Well, of course I can't wait. So I just had to go into the store and get the off the shelf version, which was only 512 gigs. And of course I'm not happy for myself for doing that. Wait, am I telling a lie right now? Maybe I did get the one terabyte. Let me check. Maybe I wanted two terabytes. Uh, I got, let's see, where is my storage? Yeah, I did get a terabyte. Okay, I'm totally lying. I wanted two terabytes. <laughs> okay, just scratch everything I said. Uh, I don't edit this podcast, so I'm not gonna edit that out, but I totally lied. I got a terabyte. 
I wanted two terabytes, so I was able to download my entire Google Drive on here. I still can't do that. Anyway, uh, whatever. So maybe it was the memory I wanted more of. I can't remember at this point, but I, the, the good news is when you're buying a laptop, this is the advice for everyone. Spend your money on the hard drive and the memory because especially with Apple, it's tough to upgrade those later with a lot of their devices, but it's, you know, it's just one of these things where you're never going to be like, oh, I wish I had less hard drive space. No, you're always going to want more, even with the cloud, which even with this 256, I think he's going to be fine. Eight gigs is fine. 16 is, of course, better because the more gigabytes, uh, the more memory you have on your computer, the more programs that you can keep open and you're not going to slow your computer down to a crawl. My computer, even though it's a brand new MacBook Pro Core i9, um, it's, you know, 16 gigs of memory and a gig, a terabyte of hard drive. It still uh, just literally stops working sometimes. Like it can't handle what I have open. Right now I have open Chrome, this little notes app called Bear that I love, Evernote, Mail. Uh, let's see what else. I've got messages. I've got Telegram. I've got Microsoft to do, QuickTime, Preview, and Zoom. And sometimes I have Safari open as well because I use that for my, the WordPress on Chrome has gotten so slow, I actually physically can't use it anymore to do my posts for ktla.com. So I open Safari because it's just cleaner and it doesn't have any extensions on it. Anyway, just spend the most you can on your memory and your processor, obviously, Core i3 at the minimum you know, the higher that I five, seven, nine, whatever is always going to be better. Uh, but you know, Ram and hard drive always, always, always get the most you can. Speaking of buying a computer, I got this little email from comp USA. Remember that place comp USA. Uh, when we used to have choices, the pandemic has really, it's just opened my eyes to the fact of how reliant I am on Amazon. I have been trying to purchase another Eero Pro for the longest time, and it's just out of stock at like the three stores I can think of to order it online, which is Best Buy, Amazon, and I even use like Google Shopping to see, I'm like, maybe there's a place I'm not thinking of. And it's really tough to, to think outside, like Walmart.com didn't, I mean, what, what are the places to shop online at this point for like electronics? And there's only a handful. And so CompUSA was a store that went out of business. Now they are a comparison website. And I guess they launched last year. Let's see. We blasted. Oh, two years ago. I guess they relaunched their website two years ago and they just got blasted by, I'm guessing, all the blogs saying it was just a sad affiliate, affiliate deal site. Well, they went back and they kind of said, you know what? What can we do to really make this better. And I think they did a good job because I'm looking at it and it, it's kind of a cool website now. So here's what they did. They are now creating a value engine for every tech product category. So for example, for laptops, they break them down to their individual components and then they break those components down into benchmark scores and they convent the, uh, convert those scores into a value. Then they compare that value to the actual sale price of a laptop and then they order them by that. So what does that all mean? It means that they break down the components. So maybe a computer that has uh, four gigs of RAM and a one terabyte hard drive is selling for $500, but a computer with 
16 gigs of memory and a one terabyte drive is selling for $50 more, that's actually gonna be a better deal because it's only slightly more expensive, but you're getting a lot more. So if they're doing what they're saying they're doing, which it looks like they are, because I'm on compusa.com slash laptops, and their top model right now, 100% for their amazing deal calculation, and then it gets a little fire, which I'm guessing it means that's hot. This is a Lenovo IdeaPad 3 15.6-inch Windows laptop with an AMD Ryzen 7, 8 gigs of RAM, 512 gigs of hard drive, and a Vega 7 model for $549, which I think sounds like a fantastic deal. So I think their little system is working. And then you have the next model on their list. This is from eBay, which I personally wouldn't buy a computer from there. But the next one, and that's from Office Depot. And the next one is another IdeaPad 5, 15.6 with a Ryzen 5, 256, 8 gigs. And it's got, that's only 479. Uh, anyway, I think they're doing a good job. So they say that the, this is highly automated and some of the deals are getting to their homepage even before places like Slick Deals. So you can go here to their homepage and see kind of what their little computers think are the best deals. And right now, some of their top deals are top phone is an iPhone XS Max unlock 64 gig for $620, which sounds pretty good, but that's at eBay. That's somewhere I probably wouldn't, well, I guess I would purchase a phone from there. Then they have top products from Amazon. Uh, I don't know. I think this is pretty cool. So compusa.com if you want to check it out. Uh, tell me what you think. I am going to add this to my list of sort of places where I check for deals on a daily basis because I love seeing deals like Microsoft Xbox One wireless controller, $46.88. And I know that's a good deal because I paid $60 for that so I can hook it up to my Apple TV. And let's see one more thing. I just want to make sure that when I actually click the deal, it is working. Oh, it even gives you a little, when you go to the deal, it tells you how much it's it's priced at various sites. So I can see that it's 47 bucks at Amazon, 60 at B&H, and out of stock at, at Best Buy. Now let's just double check those, because sometimes these sites, when you go to the website, it's not real. And, yep. Hmm... Well, they probably sold out, but it does say at Amazon, see, when you go there, the price is not really there. It's it's still 60 bucks, and B&H is 60 bucks, and so it's actually not the price that it says it is. So, hmm. anyway, I'll have to do some more research and kind of just follow that for a little bit, but I do love my deal sites for sure. And so I will be checking that out. And, you know, if you find a good deal on it, hey, not everything's going to work. And I'm not saying that this is something that I should discount because even if I go to the best sites, out any aggregator site right now, sometimes when you go there, the price is just gone. And that happens with Honey with all of their price comparisons. That happens sometimes with not so much slick deals because they're, they're pretty good. But um, some of the other websites, it's just you go there and the, and the deal is gone. And that's just the way it is. So... Anyway, uh, all right, let's do another question. Oh, there's the sound. Question from Greg. Greg says, hi, Rich. Hope you and yours are well. Quick question. Is there a way to not use the mail that comes installed on iPhone? When I click on an email link on a website, it sends me to the mail app. I wonder if it's possible to link to my Gmail app. Thanks in advance for your help, Greg. Greg, no, there's not a way to do that. Uh, not right now, at least. 
in iOS 14, there will be a way. In iOS 14, you will be able to set a default email app and also a default browser app. And that's going to be pretty handy. I wish they would have done uh, default, what was the other one I want? Oh, default maps. That they need to do for sure. Um, but it's a start. So in iOS 14, which will probably launch in, let's see, September, October, you'll be able to do that. And so far, even on the betas, I haven't seen anyone that this feature hasn't rolled out yet on the betas, but it's a start. And I, I'm curious to see, I mean, I don't really click a lot of email link. I guess it would help if you're trying to go from it. Anyway, so it's, you'll be able to do it soon. Let's put it that way. Right now, the best way if you want to do this is you'd have to download the Chrome browser on your iPhone. And I think if you clicked a link in Chrome browser, Google has gotten really good with what's called deep linking. So if you're using Gmail, Chrome, and Google Maps on your iPhone, pretty much it's a seamless experience between those apps to, to boomerang you between them. So if you click a link in Gmail, it will bring you, it will open that link in Chrome. If you click, I'm assuming if you click an email link in Chrome, it'll bring you to Gmail. And same thing with maps. If you click any sort of mapping link in Chrome or Gmail, it will bring you to Google Maps versus Apple Maps. But that's where they're starting. Um, iOS 14 defaults. So you'll be able to do the browser and again, the browser and mail. I think they really need to do that with the navigation app, especially because right now on iOS, you can't say, you know, navigate to wherever on the Maps app, it'll just bring you to Google Maps. And also music will also just bring you to uh, Apple Music, but there is a way around it. You can say, H Siri, play Taylor Swift on YouTube Music. You have to say that at the end, and I find it's not very good, but it's still, it is there. So you can say on Spotify, on Google Music, or sorry, YouTube Music, you just can't set a default where it'll just do that automatically. All right, let's talk about another story, bundling. I'm going to do two stories in one because these bundles are just getting out of control. And the reason why these big companies like you to bundle is because they think we're dumb and we kind of are because it's really tough to keep track of bundles and bundles make things very sticky. For instance, I have a bundle with my Verizon account of Disney Plus and also Apple Music. So I get those for free. Disney Plus was only for 12 months, but that's changing. And everyone has a bundle. I mean, AT&T does Spotify and uh, HBO Max. You've got, let's see, T-Mobile does Quibi and Netflix. They kind of started it. Sprint did Tidal, Hulu, and I don't know what else. So they're all doing it. And then you've got the bundles from everything else. So you know, does your, there's just so many bundles to keep track of, but they do that because it's confusing and it also keeps you subscribed to these things because I'll give, I'll give you an example. When I signed up for my internet, they switched my, my HBO max from me paying for it to now I got it for free, but I was very hesitant to do anything with my HBO Max account because I didn't know how it'd work. I was like, ah, oh, if I switch it over, like, do I have to sign up for a new account? And they actually, AT&T was pretty good about my email address. When, as soon as I popped it in, they said, oh, we noticed you already have an account. We're just going to cancel that and now give it to you for free with the same email. So they were pretty good. 
But with some of these other things, I don't know, like right now with Hulu. So let me give you the news and then I'll explain. So now on these Verizon plans, they now include Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus forever. And that's a Disney bundle. And this is in the Play More and Get More Unlimited. And they also ditched the $10 monthly fee for access to 5G. But the problem is on their plans, they show four lines. So the Get More Unlimited for four lines is $55 a month. But realistically, it's $80. Like for me, I have two lines, so it's $80 each. They should really show the the different line prices, not just four. Because 55 is like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. No, it's not 55. That's if you have four lines. 55 times four is 220 bucks, right? Did I do my math right? So anyway, if you have a, the bottom line is if you have a Verizon plan, like, like I do, you have to go in and kind of see, you might as well, if you're already on the get more unlimited, like I am, you might as well get ESPN plus and Hulu included as well as Disney plus. The problem is I pay for Hulu with no commercials. So I'm not really sure how that's going to work. If I sign up for this bundle, do I just have to pay an extra five bucks a month or whatever it is, the differential to get the no commercials? I don't know. But again, it's like it takes brain power and it takes time and it takes research and it takes effort and you got to log in. And so th- these things sound great, but it's for the consumer, it's just a lot of work. But if you do it right, you, you know, you can get things for free. The only thing they did change was Apple Music is now not necessarily included with every plan. Some of them, I think, drop down to just six months. So if you have Apple Music included, you might want to just be careful before you sign up for one of these new plans. You may not get that included anymore unlimited like I do forever. It might just be for six months, which would not be good. The other thing is Apple TV Plus now has a bundle. If you subscribe to Apple TV Plus, which I'm not sure there's any paying subscribers out there. I think everyone's still on a free plan like I am because I bought the iPhone last uh, October. So mine's coming up in October. Probably be honest, I'm probably not going to pay the five bucks a month for this because I don't have a show on Apple TV Plus that I'm liking right now. When I was watching Morning Show, fine, but I don't know. We'll see. But if you have Apple TV Plus, you can now get a bundle including CBS All Access and Showtime for cheaper than you would. It's it's kind of two in one. So CBS All Access is $10 a month. And that includes, by the way, the no commercial version, which is kind of cool. And then Showtime is 11 So that would be $21 if you purchase these separately. If you subscribe through Apple TV Plus, it would only be $10 a month. So you would save if you have both of these uh, $10. But again, with that caveat that you have to be an Apple TV Plus subscriber. And you also have to figure out how to log in. It looks like you can log in using your Apple TV account on, let's see, iPhone, iPad. I don't know. You got to log in through Apple TV, the Apple TV app, which is available on certain devices like Samsung and LG smart TVs, Roku's and Amazon Fire TV devices. Apple TV app is launching on Sony and Vizio later this summer. See how complicated this all is? It's like just keeping track of all this stuff is, is a lot for me. And again, if you are on that bundle, you're saying to yourself, well, that's a pretty good bundle. I'm not going to cancel Apple TV Plus, but do you re- really need the $5 a month for Apple TV Plus? I don't know. Next question from Mark. Mark says, hello, Rich. I'm still working during this pandemic, except I am in my home office. My adventurous side wants to hit the road, still knowing I can open my laptop in places that don't 
that typically don't have cell phone service. Is there a device that would provide me data or Wi-Fi in places like a national forest that typically a signal that typically cannot catch a signal? I don't think so. If you're, you know, the, my immediate thought was, oh, just get a, a hotspot. And I will tell you about a hotspot that I recently featured on KTLA, which I think is really cool. It's called the, I don't know if I mentioned this last week on the show, but it's called the ZTE Max Connect. And what I like about this hotspot is that it's unlocked. So you just buy this hotspot and you can just pop a SIM card, prepaid, whatever, as long as it's a GSM. I think I did mention this. And you can pop it in and it, you know, you, you can use wireless internet from this provider and you don't have to have a contract per se. That's called the ZTE Max Connect. Now, that was my initial thought as an answer to this question, but he's saying he wants like a national forest that you can't get a signal in. No, there's not really going to be a way to get a signal outside of a cell phone signal. In the future, yes, maybe we'll have the laser or sorry, the, uh, yeah, is it laser delivered satellite? I don't know. Satellite deliver, delivered laser internet, maybe in the future, but right now, no. If you can't get a data signal, you're not going to be able to get data. As far as I know, if, if someone knows anything different that I don't, I mean, yes, there's Viasat, but I don't think you can have, you know, you could do that. Okay. All right. I guess you could do it if you had an RV with a satellite that got the signal Viasat. But I don't think, I mean, I guess you could do that. Let me see. Viasat, if you had, how? Oh, let's see, internet. I guess if you had one of these on your, there probably is home, or there probably is RV satellite internet. I'm going to just Google that. That you could install in your RV, and then you could use that as a hotspot. But again, it's expensive. I'm sure it's very, yeah. The first line of this, this website I brought up, getting satellite internet with a mobile satellite dish for your RV is not a simple process. It's possible, but you're looking at thousands of dollars in equipment and a long-term contract with up to $400 a month or more and subpar internet. So I don't think this is the way to do it. They do have some various ways of, of getting it, but the other thing I would recommend in this article, satelliteinternet.com recommends it as well, is from a company called is it WeBoost? I thought it was, yeah, WeBoost, which makes cell phone boosters. WeBoost, and I thought it was called Wilson um, Internet Booster. Maybe it is WeBoost. No, Wilson Signal Booster. So check out those as well. Yeah, Wilson Signal User uh, Booster. So those are the ways that I think you can probably get around that. So um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not, look, it's not going to be expensive. It's not going to be cheap. It's going to be expensive and it's going to be too much work. And I get it. You have this idea of driving around anywhere and just picking up a signal. But look, you know, if you're in the National Forest, enjoy the National Forest. And when you get out of the National Forest, find a Starbucks and work from outside there if you need a signal. Or, you know, I went to Zion a couple months ago and the signal was fantastic everywhere, including pretty much even in the forest. I mean, there's it's pretty rare these days that you don't have a signal. I mean, you really have to be out there to not have a signal. So that's what I'd recommend. All right, let's see what do we want to talk about next. I'll talk about this because I thought this is kind of fun. Another Apple story. Apple renamed, they, they introduced two new radio stations and they renamed their Beats 1. 
I don't know if you listen to Beats One. I'm guessing you don't because they say it's very popular. Maybe people do listen to it. It's really cool, and they have a great guy that does it. Zane Lowe is like their main, I don't know if you call him a DJ or personality, but it's really cool, and they do a great job. I mean, this guy knows everyone in the industry, and you know he calls them up on FaceTime, of course, because it's Apple. I messages them. So he's connected and they do a great job. Apple music or beats one broadcast, you know, live and they really do a good job of getting behind the music. Well, that's going to be renamed Apple music one. And then they're also launching two new live streaming radio stations called Apple music hits. And the one that I'm excited about called Apple music country. And for the past couple days, since they launched this, I've been listening to Apple music country nonstop. And it's awesome. They're broadcasting out of Nashville. If you have Sirius XM, it reminds me a lot of the highway, but it reminds me of the highway yet run by kids in high school or college, like almost like a college radio station because all of the DJs right now are so excited that they have this new job with Apple. And so it's like, it's very, it's not like the guys you have on, on Sirius XM, Stormy Warren, and you know, these other guys that are very, you know, they're, you know, everyone knows them in Nashville and they're kind of, they've been doing it for a long time. These new folks on Apple Music Country are kind of like excited that they're there and doing this new cool way of broadcasting. And it's not really broadcasting because it's through the iPhone or however you have Apple Music. So anyway, I've been listening to it. I love it. It's great. I don't know if I'm going to get my wife to switch from, from the highway, but what I love about this, is it's also free. So you can listen to Apple Music Country, Apple Music Hits, and of course Beats One, even if you don't have a subscription to Apple Music. You just open the Apple Music app and you can do it. Uh, you can also install it on Android, but what I noticed on Android when I installed it there is that it does look like you have to sign in to be able to access the stream. So it's free, but it mostly seems free on Apple devices, iPhone, iPad, CarPlay, Apple Watch, Apple TV, Mac, HomePod, and you can ask Siri to, to play Apple Music One, Apple Music Hits, or Apple Music Country. I'm a country music fan, so I like that. And I love, what I've what I've realized about listening to playlists is I've always loved radio. I'm a radio guy and I love DJs. Not the, hey, I'm Jack the Whack and we got another set of 50 minutes of nonstop commercial free music coming up. I'm that, that I used to like that. But now what I like is more of, hey, bring me behind this music a little bit. Tell me about this song. Uh, give me an interview with the sound writer or the songwriter. Uh, tell me what the message is behind this music. Explain this music a little bit. My biggest problem when you're listening to these playlists on Spotify and all the various music services, it's just one song into the next. And I have no idea if that's a new song, it's a song that's 15 years old, if it's an experimental song, they download it off SoundCloud. I, I have no idea. There's no no reference point when you're listening to a playlist. And so by listening to a live streaming station with someone behind the microphone, you can actually get a little bit more information about what you're listening to. And maybe it's just me getting older, but I like that. I want to hear what the story is behind this song and why I'm listening to it. And so that's what Apple Music Country is all about. That's what the other stations are about. That's why I do love Sirius XM when I'm in my wife's car. I don't have it in mine, but she's got it in hers. And I do like it. I like uh, every time I listen, I get a little snippet of something. And that's also why I like terrestrial radio because it is that exact thing. You're hearing a live person tell you something and you're just getting little snippets here and there.
And so for that reason, uh, check it out. I think it's really cool and hopefully you do too. All right, let's see if I can get to one more question. Uh, let's see. Fred says, hey, Rich, I watch your segment on a local station in Sacramento. Must be Fox 40. And I used to use Wonderlist as a to-do app. What do you recommend as an equivalent for personal use on an iPhone? Thanks. Uh, Fred, I would recommend Wonderlist went out of fashion because Microsoft purchased them. They were a fantastic uh, to-do app, and I love them, and I used to use them as well. But Microsoft bought them. They kind of, you know, dismantled it. I think it's gone by now. And they actually came up with a really good app that's very, very similar called Microsoft To Do. And I love it. I use it. I, I actually write out my to-do list, but I'm, I to, Microsoft To Do is the best to-do list that I've found. And let me explain why. They don't nickel and dime you. When you download Microsoft To Do List, you get all the features without having to unlock in-app purchases or pay up this or do that. I mean, I'm not even sure if there is a way to, to get extra features for paid products. I don't know, maybe there is. But I also use it because I can have my team member um, team members on here and I can assign things to them and they can see their to-do list and complete them. And I don't have to see, you know, I can remember what I assigned them to do or ask them to do and I can, oh yeah, let me, let me ask them about that. So Microsoft to-do, it works on iPhone, it works on Android, it works on your desktop, Mac, PC, it's fantastic. Highly, highly recommended it, uh, recommend it. And you can also attach files. You can, I mean, there's just so many. The other thing I love about it, they have this feature called My Day. So let's say you put all, and this is the way I do my to-do list. Let's say you put a whole bunch of stuff in your to-do list, and then the next day, all that stuff just lingers there. What I love about Microsoft to do is that they move all that stuff to kind of like your tasks, but then your day is clean again. So it's just a really nice way of kind of remembering the things that you need to do and doing them on a daily basis. It's just really, really well done. So Fred, that's what I'd recommend. And it's inspired by Wonderlist. So, all right, that's gonna do it for the show. Let me just do two more quick little bites uh, here. Instagram rolled out this feature called suggested posts, which no one likes, but I called it on this podcast many months ago. I can't find the clip because I don't really think about these podcasts once I'm done and I don't do any sort of organization for remembering what I've said, but they have a feature that I called it. I said, Instagram is going to get more like TikTok where you can just continuously scroll and see a whole bunch of stuff. Well, that's exactly what they did. So now when you reach the end of your feed, which is the end of all the stuff that you've been, you know, the people that you follow, there are now suggested posts from people you don't follow, but it's in the stuff that you kind of like to look at. So there you go. You can now search, you can now scroll forever on Instagram, which, you know, it's kind of a weird thing because Instagram used to have this feature and they still have it that says, hey, you're all caught up at the end of your feed. And that was an idea, you know, that was a feature to keep you less glued to the app. Well, they do, they still do that. Now, after that, they do suggested posts like, oh, you're all caught up, but here's some other stuff if you want to just keep scrolling forever and waste your life on Instagram. Netflix is testing, speaking of wasting your life, Netflix is um, testing a shuffle play button. I mean, really folks, are you this wasteful with your time that you need to just click a shuffle play button on Netflix? Now, if you're saying, Rich, well, you loved it on on, uh, Hulu. Yes, I loved it on Hulu for Seinfeld and even other shows like Friends. Like I said, they should have it on HBO Max. They should have a shuffle button. 
Yes, if I love a show, like a sitcom, and I want to sit down and just waste a half an hour, I want to press shuffle because I don't want to have to think about what episode to watch. That works. But Netflix testing it is like, okay, so it can, it's a, it's a test, so not everyone sees this, but it's on your home screen, and it will randomly play content it thinks you like. According to TechCrunch, this could be a movie or a show you're currently watching, something you've saved in your list, or a title that's similar to something you've watched. That is too wide of a swath of stuff for me. So just because I bookmarked a documentary, all of a sudden I'm going to say shuffle, and I'm going to start watching like a, an hour and a half documentary? No way. Uh, I think this is totally bananas. Like we need to be a little bit more mindful of how we use our time in this world and a shuffle button just to let Netflix, you know, carte blanche play whatever they want in front of my eyes for as much time as they want to take up a mind. No way. No, no, no. Um, and yes, there's a time and a place for all this stuff. But for me personally, I want to be a little bit more directed with my use of time. And so for that reason, Give me shuffle on the shows on Netflix. And if you want, maybe even the hour long shows, fine. If you have an hour to kill, you just want to watch an episode of Law and Order, fine. That makes sense. But don't just shuffle everything on the service. And maybe since this is a test, they will come up with that um, situation. But for me, I mean, come on. That's that's like a little bit too much of an abuse of my time. But I see, I see the reasoning for it, right? I mean, I'm not totally saying it's terrible, but I... To me, I want a little bit more direction. So, all right. Oh, wow. Oh, no. What does that music mean? That music means it is the end of the show. That went fast, and I even went longer than normal. Uh, let's see. What do I say at this point? <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the show. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer, just go to richontech.tv and hit the email button at the bottom of the page. And I'd also love it if you rate and review this podcast to help other people discover it. Just go to ratethispodcast.com slash richontech. What did uh, M, let's see, MJM Blues 248 said, I've been listening to Rich for a few years. I love that he talks directly to you like he wants to help you and not necessarily help promote a product. However, if he's passionate about a product, he will certainly, I haven't read this yet, by the way. Uh, he will certainly stand behind it and help you get the most out of it. Well, thank you. Uh, oh, a Jersey guy with a world of technical knowledge. Great headline as well. All right, you can find me everywhere at Rich on Tech. My name is Rich Demiro. On behalf of everyone that gets this show to your ears, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe. We will get through this, folks. I feel like we're getting there. <laughs> I'll talk to you real soon.